Uh, last week, I shared with you guys that this is the first parable in Matthew 13 is the parable of the, you guys remember? Soils, right? Okay, I was pretty emphatic about that statement and some other statements that people refer to it as the parable of the seed or the parable of the sower, but I like the parable of the soil best, and that's the way we should refer to it from now on because it really deals with the four different hearts and how the heart represents those different types of soils we might have. But reading again, it was brought to my attention that Jesus called it in verse 18 the parable of the seed. So, <laughs> our conclusion is, I believe, I believe Jesus was right. You guys agree? Okay. And, and I was less right. Can we roll that way? Awesome. So, <laughs> these parables now outline for us really God's program. You guys know that his ways are better than ours? And do you guys know that Satan wants to oppose that? Yes. So that's what's going to be laid out before us this morning. And before we jump into our passage, I want to lay out a little bit to give us some clarity and understanding before we read through the next few parables. The kingdom, okay, when it refers to that in the scripture, we're talking about that realm, okay, that is God's. It is his kingdom. It is ruled by him. And we see that taught. It begins in the Old Testament and is throughout the word of God. But it's designated to by two things. Okay, as we consider the Old Testament, he spoke to the children of Israel and to the land. Okay, that's how he set these things up um, in which they were to live. So the kingdom in the New Testament begins with the sowing of the word Okay, and that was in Christ's day, and it continues to the end of the age. So the kingdom of God or heaven that we read about in Matthew 13 here, it's in mystery form. It doesn't not refer to the earthly kingdom of the Messiah, but it uh, refers to the kingdom here on earth during the king's absence. Okay, is King Jesus here now today? No, not unless you're a Jehovah Witness, okay? They have Jesus in some basin in Arkansas, I think, is where he is right now. But for us who believe the Bible, we know he's going to return, and the whole world's going to know when this happens, guys, okay? He's going to stand. He's going to rule from Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. The world will know very clearly when he's here. He's not going to be hiding in a basement. So, the kingdom of heaven, okay, is a mixture of good and evil, true and false. We're going to look at this morning, the wheat and the tares. There's a dragnet the good, the bad fish. So it is not the church. You guys need to understand that as we read this. The church is in the kingdom. Does that make sense? It's in the kingdom of heaven, but it's distinct from it. So the kingdom of heaven is really equivalent to the term Christendom. So it is made up of those who profess their allegiance. They put their faith in King Jesus, okay? Submitted to him, whether in truth or pretense. So the kingdom is ruled by God. And the church is a society of men. So the church really is the custodian then of the kingdom. So we've been given the keys to the kingdom. That's pretty cool to think about. So the church proclaims the good news of the kingdom. Isn't that why we're here? right? Going to all the world, and we get to preach the gospel, make disciples, and those who come into the church then, they begin to experience the blessings that come with the rule of Christ. That's the blessing of it. So, the future reign of God breaks into the present, okay? Already here and not yet, okay? It's here in part, but it's not here fully because the king is not here yet, but he will be, and I can't wait till that day. Therefore, those who believe in Christ will begin to experience something of what God's final kingdom reign will be like. So we know that in some measure for you and I, there's victory over sin. And you guys sinned this last week? All right, okay. But I've been forgiven of my sins. I'm set free. Why do I still sin? Okay. How many of you guys have victory over sin that you were never ever able to have victory over before you knew Jesus Christ? All of us, right? Okay. So you guys understand, it's in part, has come in part. So we also know that there's demonic uh, opposition going on and the reality of disease. I mean, we live in a fallen world, but God's going to come back and perfect it all. So eventually Jesus will return and his kingdom will reign to the extent 
uh, it will extend all over uh, creation. So each parable that Jesus then gives here for us this morning, guys, exposes a little bit more of his kingdom. We're going to get a little bit more insight. So today we're going to look at three oppositions to the kingdom that Jesus lays out. Three parables. We're going to look at the tares, the mustard seed, and leaven, which really speaks to the false Christians, false growth, and false doctrine. Okay. Well, I'm glad we don't have to deal with that today in the world. No, it's all around us. Okay. You just have to open your eyes. We are living in the last days. Okay. There are a lot of false teachers. There's a lot of false teaching out there. We even heap up teachers, pastors for ourselves because, hey, this is what we want. Okay? We will be lovers of self in the last days. I want a pastor who's going to tell me what I want to hear and make me feel good. That's why I think it's so important, guys, that we stay in the word of God. Because what does he say? He says these things because he loves us. He wants us to know the truth. And we need to be aware of these things. And I'm thankful that we get these parables this morning. So before we jump into the first one, okay, I want you guys to know that Satan first tried to oppose the kingdom by what? snatching the word of God from the people. Didn't we read that last week in the parable? That's the first thing he wants to do. He'll come and snatch the word from our hearts. That's the parable of the sower. And if, you, if that doesn't work, Satan's going to go what? To plan B, you know, which is what? Can't beat him. What do you do? Join him, okay? He is at work today among the church. And we're going to see that this morning. And we need to realize that Satan is a great counterfeit. He's a great imitator, um, great imitation. So let's take a read here at verse 24 and on. It says, another parable. Jesus, he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man. He sowed good seed in a field, or his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared, the weeds. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did we not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said, or servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and to gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the har or at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first go gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. In another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And then Jesus sent the multitude away, and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun, in the kingdom of their father, he who has ears to hear, 
let him hear. And Father, that would be our prayer this morning as we consider this passage of Scripture, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, God, that we'd have ears to hear and understand what you're speaking to us this morning. Amen? So let's consider first this mustard seed and the leaven, okay, the false growth, false doctrine. We saw that in verses 31 to 34 there. Okay, we have two parables of growth of the kingdom. I wish that in verse 36 that they would have asked for these two to be interpreted also. Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, tell us all of them, okay? Um, some interpret this as positive growths of the kingdom, um, saying both have small beginnings, but then they spread in their dimensions, just grow, and were astonishing. Many others interpret this as being abnormal growth. Consider the mustard plant in Palestine over there. It's a large plant, but not necessarily what we would call a tree. If birds normally represent evil, which we see throughout Scripture, then again, both good and evil are represented in the kingdom, right? These birds come and they nest and it's unnaturally big. And we see that in the church today. And then leaven, we find that 98 times in Scripture Check it out, because every time leaven is mentioned in Scripture, it is always, every time, a symbol that is linked with evil throughout Scripture. It had to be removed uh, from the Jewish homes during Passover. Also, it was excluded from almost all of the sacrifices. Jesus would use it as a picture of hypocrisy, uh, false teachings of worldly compromise. And even the Apostle Paul, you remember what he said about Leaven was a picture of carnality that was within the church in false doctrine. So sin is kind of like leaven, right? You only need a, a little bit, but it quietly grows. It corrupts, okay? It puffs up. That's what leaven does. That's how sin works, guys. Um, yeah. Let's go back to the mustard seed. Maybe the mustard seed here warns that we need to watch out for those outward expressions uh, of the kingdom when the kingdom starts to go to the birds. Um, and then maybe the leaven warns us of that inward development of false doctrine, of false living. So maybe the point of both of these parables is that the mighty kingdom everyone was looking for uh, could issue from apparently obscure beginnings like Jesus in just a few of his disciples. So the kingdom might be in obscurity, but it would culminate ultimately in glory. Okay, that's what we have set before us, guys. So let's take a look at the wheat and weeds. Jesus speaks into this clearly, these false Christians, verses 24 to 30, and then he picks it up again in verse 36 to 43. But again, Jesus uses the same figure of a sower, but it has a different twist here if you caught it. Okay, we have Dr. Jeremiah. You guys ever listen to him on the radio? I like him. He laid out in his study that there are two planters, two plants, two plans, and two prospects. And I'm just like, yeah. Pretty simple, pretty clear. So the main point, guys, of this parable of the wheat and the weeds is that God permits the righteous and the wicked to coexist in this age. And it tells us that we should, or what we really should be doing about it, and then eventually what he will do about it. So he will separate the wicked from the righteous. He's promised to do that. Judging and destroying the wicked while harvesting and protecting the righteous. And both sides will realize, you guys ever listen to Toby Mac with your kids on your way to school? Am I the only one? Oh, Jerry does. Awesome, awesome. Anyways, you guys ever hear the song, This Is Not A Test? This Is The Real Thing? Okay, that is reality, guys. This life is not a test. You know, you're on one side or the other. So the tares that are among the wheat, uh, since Satan can't uproot plants okay uh true christians he plants counterfeit christians in their midst that's what jesus is saying here so in verse 24 we have the right man sowing the right seed in the right field then leaving the field to care for his servants and then the good seed that he's speaking of in verse 24 and 38 okay these are the sons of the kingdom the good seed these are children of god 
okay? Believers, not the word in the last parable, okay? So Christ is sowing true believers in various places that they might bear fruit. I love it. So sleepy servants, verse 25. I want you guys to note that the evil one came in. When? When they were sleeping, okay? Um, I'd love to share a little bit of what I think is going on in the church today, especially in America, and just how Satan has a stronghold and so much influence, and the church is oblivious to it. But the reality is, guys, the believers were sleeping. What should we be doing? We should be praying for the church to wake up, to take this serious, to get into the word. What do you have to say, God? What do you want? They were sleeping. And I want us to know this for uh, certain, okay? Satan doesn't take naps. He doesn't sleep, okay? Um, he comes when these people are slumbering. So these terrors, the zana, okay? It's referred to over there as the bearded darnel, typically known as darnel or the poison darnel, ryegrass darnel, cockle. So these terrors, these weeds were sown in among the good Okay, so mentioned only here in the Mount of Olives. We don't find it anywhere else in Scripture. It's the Lullium Tumultitum, Latin word. I don't know if you guys know Latin. I don't. But anyways, it bears the closest resemblance to wheat until uh, the ear appears. Okay, so when it's fully grown and it's bearing fruit, it's only then you'll actually re realize that there's a difference. Um, so it grows plentifully um, in the Middle East there, Syria, Palestine, all over. Did you guys hear that we're pulling out of Syria, our troops? Okay, some people like, but when I heard that this week, I'm just like, praise God, Ezekiel 38. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, read Ezekiel 38, okay? We can't be there because Russia needs to come in and do some real, it's excited. Anyways, Jesus, come back soon. Um, sorry. Back to this. This stuff grows in Syria. <laughs> so the tares, we know are weeds. They're bad seed. You guys get the point, what Jesus is saying here? So Satan, okay, here, these are his counterfeits of true Christians. They are profession Christianity, but they're not true Christians. Okay, I don't know if you guys have talked with people like that. Um, they're definitely out there. Historically, let's look at church history for a moment. Do you guys know that the first 300 years that Satan just persecuted the church. That's all there was. Caesars, thousands and thousands of our brothers and sisters put to death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? But then we know that through 10 emperors okay, um, of, the, of the Roman Empire, um, it's kind of like what happened with the children of Israel. Do you know when they were persecuted down in Egypt, what happened? They kept growing, okay? I think that's what was happening. They kept trying to kill these Christians, but more and more just kept getting saved, and the church kept growing and growing until uh, 313 AD. I think that's when Satan changed his plan with the edict from Constantine. Christianity was adapted as the national religion. So I think that's when Satan joined the church. So Satan seems to try to counterfeit everything. Do you guys see that? Okay, I see it in scripture and I believe the word of God. I want to share with you guys, I think I outlined this in your handouts. First of all, the counterfeit Christians. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. I want to read it to you. He says, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers and from bandits, from danger of my countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, Paul says, in danger in the sea. And then he says, and in danger from false brethren. So Paul was actually being persecuted, hunted by false brethren, people that actually called themselves Christians. We also know that, that Satan has a counterfeit gospel. Well, what do you mean? Okay, There's one gospel, guys. But even within the church, I could sit up here for the remainder of our time and start preaching how many different gospels there are. Guys, there's one good news. That's it. It's faith in Christ alone is what's going to get you to heaven. Amen. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's him and him crucified. Bottom line. But there are so many that have come into the church and twisted it. 
It's nuts. I listened to an interview. I don't even know if I want to share this. I'll share it. Ben Shapiro, he's got these Sunday talks and he's been interviewing people. He interviewed John MacArthur about six weeks ago. I thought they did a phenomenal job. And two weeks ago, he interviewed, uh, I'm forgetting his name now. Boom, 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 boom. Anyways, he's a philosopher, priest, one of the big uppity-ups in the Catholic Church. And my heart was just grieved because this man was saying how the church is the umpire when it comes to calling what is right and what's wrong. You know, and my heart was just grieved. And as he was talking and sharing, he was going through the Vatican II stuff, that even atheists, by the grace of God, can find eternal life because of what Christ has done. This is what the Catholic Church believes, guys. And I would say half of the Christian church within the Fox Valley here are Catholic. And this is what they believe. That atheists, people that don't even believe in God, get to go? Really? It's sick. It's twisted. Church, you're calling the shots. God doesn't call it. He's not the umpire, the judge. Okay, guys, the gospel's being skewed big time. And we need to hold to what the scriptures say. Anyways, Paul warns us of this. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 9, Okay, counterfeit gospels. He says this, I marvel. So Paul says, I'm marveling. You guys ever marvel at something? Whoa, how could this be? How could this happen, right? I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you who would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, okay, even an angelic being, if he would come on the scene and preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. They're damned to hell, guys. There's a lot of people who think, hey, we're right. I'm a righteous man. I know the truth. Other people need to hear it. Well, the Bible warns about the blind leading the blind. We need to be so careful, guys. And that's why I love that we believe in the authority of the scriptures. Because otherwise, it's just going to be me and you reasoning in whose opinion sounds the best or the most reasonable or the most likable. Who cares? What does God say? Period. It's the only thing that matters, guys. And if we don't have that, then yeah, anything goes. And this is why we see so many sects today in the church. This is why Satan is having his way, a heyday in the church. That's why Bible teaching churches we don't see growing. Why? Because people don't want the truth, guys. Counterfeit gospel, Satan's in there. Also counterfeit righteousness, okay? Talked with somebody this week, and this came to mind in Romans chapter 10. It tells us in the first three verses, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they do not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own they did not submit to God's righteousness. Okay? Our righteousness is filthy rags, guys. There isn't anything right. It's all on him. It's his righteousness. That's the bottom line. Okay? People need to know that. But there is so much false teaching out there. It's all based on how good we are and what we're going to do, what we can accomplish. It's a complete attack. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? That's the beauty of the gospel. It's the good news. We also see a counterfeit church. Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. I know your afflictions, your poverty, that you're rich. Okay, I know that the, the slander of those who say they are Jews and they are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Okay, literally, Jesus is writing this letter, right? <laughs> you are of the synagogue of Satan. He's writing to people who think they are Christians, who think they're believers. Also, let's all turn to 2 Thessalonians together. We'll come right back to the parables here. 
But the reason why I want to take a look at this is because I believe the counterfeit Christ, there's been many antichrists that have arisen. I truly believe the antichrist is probably alive today. Things are coming together. But I want, to, I want us to look at the counterfeit Christ and what's going to happen. Because again, Satan really seems to do well at counterfeiting, right? It tells us here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at the first 12 verses here. It says, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind and troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it or as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you. So do not be deceived, guys, uh, <clears throat> you by any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed in the son or the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do not remember... Oh, you guys know how close the temple is to being built? Do you guys know that just a couple weeks ago, first time in thousands of years, a couple thousand years, Israel made sacrifices, the priests making sacrifice they're preparing for the temple it is so exciting so just two weeks ago it hasn't happened a thousand years two thousand years Woo anyways we can talk about that more but the reality is this could happen really soon everything is set to go now verse five do you not remember that when i was still with you i told you these things and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Okay, the rapture will happen, guys. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Okay, that's when he will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his own mouth and destroy the brightness of his, or at the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. You guys see why they will worship him? Is God? Look at everything he's doing. Okay, he's the Antichrist. He's Satan. Okay? And he will come with unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of the truth. This is the reason why. They didn't love the truth. I don't want that. I want my truth. I want it my way. No, we're to love the truth. That they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. And they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So... Satan is good at counterfeiting. I have, some of you guys see the, the Bible case that I carry around. I have only two scriptures on the outside of that. And one of them is John 17, 17. If you get an email from me, you'll see at the bottom in my signature, John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. My word is truth. As that's the only way we're going to know what is right and wrong. Okay. Are we going to be sanctified, set apart? <laughs> it's going to be in his word. But I don't want the truth. I don't love the truth. I want to hear this. I like that type of preaching. Because it's not about the preacher, it's about the message. And if we're not reading his message, what are we taking in? What are we considering, guys? That's why it's so important that we're studying the word of God, that we're staying in the word of God. Why are we taking time this morning to talk about how Satan likes to be a counterfeit? Because we're to be wise to his schemes. Doesn't the scriptures encourage us or tell us to do that? Well, we need to know. And unless we actually take the time to look, we're not going to know. It's very easy for a lot of Christians to look at this. You know, well, I don't even know if I believe in Satan. I've talked to a lot of Christians that literally don't believe in Satan. Anyways, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's go back to our parable. 
I'm going to way ahead of myself. Because again, we want to stick to what the Word's saying, and I want us to get what Jesus is saying in these parables this morning. Very important. If you look at verse 25 back here in Matthew 13, it says, He went his way. So many, many are saying that Satan doesn't exist. Okay, that he's just a mere myth. I've talked with other church leaders that actually hold to this type of doctrine. Um, it's sad. Um, what we do know that Satan's not omnipresent. You guys know that? He can't be here and there, okay? Um, but he, I think he's cunningly used this to his advantage for he can do more by his absence than by his presence, okay? If Satan was walking around and messing around here in Kakana or the Fox Valley this last week, do you think the church might be like, oh, what's happening? We need to pray. We need to wake up. Wouldn't that happen? I would sure hope so. I would think that would probably happen. Now, if we look at verse 27, it says, how then does it have tares? Okay. How, how, how does this field, how, how do these weeds get mixed in there? Well, the question really is one of confession here that they had been asleep. We were sleeping and this is how it happened. How did Satan get into our church? Because we weren't caring. <laughs> We weren't awake. We didn't know how he worked. We didn't understand his schemes. So notice that the owner had not slept, right? He knew who did it. Do you guys know Psalm 121 verse 4? Indeed, he who watches over Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. Okay? God is always awake. He knows what's going on. Verse 28 then, and then the enemy has done this. He knew that it was the enemy. So we came, or we can name a number of people, but the workers behind the scene is the devil himself. You guys can say, yeah, that person is definitely a terror. Look at how they're messing things up. You know, we can blame Charles Darwin for him undermining creation, or Friedrich Nietzsche for promoting the slogan, God is dead. Or David Hume, who gave the most fundamental attacks on natural theology. Or Iman Kant, who believed that the knowledge of God is impossible. How can we even know it? But ultimately, guys, you need to understand that behind all of that, the devil's behind the scenes. Do you guys understand that? It's him at work. He is alive, and he's good at what he's doing. So do you want to go... or? He says here, do you want us to go and gather? What does God say? No, don't. So I want us to hear this this morning, church. Our task is not to pull up the false. Is he asking us to do that? No, okay? But to plant the truth. And we have a tendency to want to pull up the false, okay? Preaching this this morning, I really want to go at length and go off on some big-time rabbit trails and pull up a lot of false this morning, but God wants us, no, you're not to do, you're to stand in the truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. This is how we're going to be sanctified. What does God say? Why are we looking at so many scriptures this morning? Because this is what we need, guys. So this is truth. So our task is not to pull up the false, but to plant the truth. So how about we just love them and let God judge them, okay? I can honestly tell you guys that I've prayed more times for Joel Olstein than I've spoken about him being a turd, okay? Sorry, I shouldn't say turd. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really frustrated. How can your best life now keep being the best seller? I just so, fr do you guys understand the hope that we have in heaven? Man, if this is it, if you can find joy in everything now in this life, you're missing the big picture of what the whole story is about. Why Jesus came. Our hope isn't in the here and now, guys. Man, I celebrate when a saint passes and they've gone on. They made it. They finished well. That's what it's all about, guys. We as Christians are preparing to die. And how do we do that? We die now to self and we live for Christ now. And we get to live with him for all time, guys. That's the truth. That's the blessing of it. And I have a hard time. Is Joel Osteen a brother in Christ? I have no idea. I have no idea, guys. Is he one of these false converts? I have no idea, guys. But I do pray for him. 
Because what I've heard, my heart breaks. I pray that God speaks to him, gets a hold of his heart and his life. Because let me tell you what, guys. Satan's good. He's good. A lot of truth. How did he come against Jesus when he was tempted for 40 days? And then at the end of it, he comes and he tempts Jesus with what? The word of God. I see so many people out there preaching the word, but then there's the little twist, the little lie there. And that's what's going on in a lot of our pulpits today. And I want to encourage us as a church, when you see this going on, pray. Pray. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Pray for the Joel Osteens that are out there, guys. So, at least that's what I see here, right? Jesus says no, <laughs> okay? Don't pull up, gather. So, um, hasty di disciplinarians have often cast out the best and retained the worst. Um, now is the time for growing. I want to encourage us to grow on. That's what we're supposed to be doing, okay? Um, so are you? I guess that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are you growing? How do you know if you're growing or not? Just take an evaluation. Am I more in love? Am I praying more? Am I more excited about being with brothers and sisters? Am I maturing in my walk? Do I care more for the loss than I did six months ago? It's a good way to look. A year ago. For some of us, it's got to be just last week. You know? <laughs> Am I growing? Because again, that leaven starts off small. You think people just, I'm in sin. I don't want to be in fellowship anymore. I don't want to walk with the Lord. I don't want to read his word anymore. It doesn't happen just like that. Just a little bit at a time. Isn't it so easy if you miss one Sunday to miss two Sundays? To miss three, four, I haven't been to church in years. What's going on? Don't forsake the assembling together because of what? The deceitfulness of sin. Okay? There's things that God has put out there in his word to protect us. And we have to be careful of those things. So, are we going? Is there fruit showing white grain or no grain? If you look at verse 30 with me here, it says there's a time of harvest. When is that? It's the end of the age. So we don't know when the end of the age is, but do you know that we're drawing closer to it? I do. That's the one thing I know. I know we're closer than we are today than we were yesterday. <laughs> and we know that the end of the age is that time of the harvest. He also tells us in verse 30, speaking of the reapers, who are they? These angel executioners. Isn't this pretty cool? I mean, look at this. I'm trying to teach you guys what this is actually talking about here. We have these one day they're going to be employed and they're going to do a work correctly, efficiently, universally, and finally. Okay? Pretty cool. And then what happens to these tares, the wheat? Well, if you go on, jump down to verse 40 through 42 here, it says to burn them. So no words can be more suggest <laughs> suggestive to you and I of certain destruction. Burn them. Is Jesus being pretty clear here? Well, I'm glad that I agree with Rob Bell and there is no hell. Bell, hell. <laughs> I never thought of that until I just said that to you guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways. Yeah, my heart breaks how easily the church can be led astray. You know, Rob started as a good Bible teaching pastor. If you can grab some of his teachings from 15, 20 years ago, a lot like what we're doing here today. Let's just get into what the Word of God says. Say, hey, I'm starting to see things that others aren't seeing. Hell, not really real. Okay, it's, it's just a picture, a metaphor. We just cease to exist if you don't come into the kingdom. We got to be careful, guys. A lot of false doctrine out there. Because Jesus, this is pretty clear. Not out, you know, only outwardly wicked people, but the false pretenders, the mock wheat, they shall be removed. And their fate is fire. 
Okay, the most terrible of punishments, yet they won't annihilate them. Okay, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You guys can jot down Revelation chapter 4, or 14 it is, verses 9 to 11. It says in there, that's those whose smoke goes up forever and ever. Okay, hell is forever. People will be continually being consumed, but not dying from it. So, there is a hell, and some are going to go there. Well, I don't like that. My heart doesn't like that. Because I have loved ones that are rejecting Jesus right now. And I don't want to think about that reality. That's why people need to hear, guys. I don't know about you, but hell's a great motivator. And it's not because, like, oh, that's horrible. It's, no, we've rebelled against God. He's totally just, okay, in sending anybody to hell. It's not him sending people to hell. God sent his only son into this world that whoever believed in him would not perish. That's what God sent. He loves us. But what do we say? Forget you, God. I don't want that gift. I don't want to do it your way. I don't want you to be Savior. I want it. I love that our brother shared from Andrew Murray this morning about humility. You know, pride is ugly. It's the number one sin, guys, that God hates. We need to humble ourselves before him. So yes, there is a hell, and some are going to go there. Sorry, universalists. All will not be saved. Um, verse 30, look there. It says they will gather the wheat into a barn. So what a peaceful tone after the last statement. Don't you guys love reading that? Like, whoa! <laughs> you know, they're going to be burned up. That sucks. But then here's the good news, right? Those who are of his, the good wheat, okay? Um, they're going to be put into this barn. They're going to be gathered together. All recognizes the Lord's grain in the household of his storehouse. Um, I'll note this, Spurgeon, I was reading a little bit of him. He said this, he who does not believe that God will cast unbelievers into hell will not be sure that he will take believers into heaven. I love that. If you really believe this part of what God has to say, why aren't you going to believe the other part of what he has to say? <laughs> Can't believe in heaven without hell. So, verse 43, Then the righteous will shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. You can jot next to verse 43 in your Bible, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. It says, those who are wise, I love this scripture, will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness, those who are sharing the gospel, they're going to shine like the stars forever and ever. Isn't that cool? And that's a promise from God. Share the gospel. Okay? Those who are wise will shine. Shine for Jesus. You're light of the world. You can't hide it, guys. Shine for him. So let's recap real quick. We saw the hindrance here in these parables, Satan opposing the work of God in several different ways. We saw that he snatches the word of God from people's hearts, okay? Or smothers the seed with worldliness or scorches the shoots with persecution. That was the parable of the sower that we looked at last week. And then, if he cannot overcome the word, he plants false Christians. Jesus says, be careful of this. There's going to be false Christians, children of the devil, wherever the Lord plants true believers. So parable of the wheat and the weeds. So many people are going to go to hell, not because of gross overt sin, okay, but because they have a false righteousness apart from faith in Christ Jesus. So he sits in the branches of Christendom and influences what goes on. That's the parable of the mustard seed. Okay, He's in there. I see this today. I've had a hard time. The largest leadership pastors conference that we've had in the Fox Valley over the last two decades, the most well attended, has been a leadership summit that is looking to the world, 
keeps looking to the world, has businessmen come in. If you want to grow your church, this is a type of business. Your pastor needs to be a CEO. Who cares what the Bible says a pastor is supposed to be? He needs to be this type of leader, and he has to act in this fashion as a CEO would do in a business to grow the church. Where is that influence coming from, guys? And it's a bummer because it's going on in the church. It's not just, oh, there's some doing it. No, this is the most well-attended thing going on in our backyard. The last one I went to, and you guys know I want to see unity in the church. There's some things that you guys may question. Why is Pastor Landon going there? Do you guys, we need to be careful of that too, because I've seen people run, hey, do you know this brother is doing this conference with this brother that we know is a false teacher? Sometimes I think, praise God, I like that brother, and I'm glad he's going to be in a setting teaching the word of God because people need to hear it. Maybe that false teacher needs to, you know, so we've got to be very careful. And if you guys ever see me going and doing something, hey, why is he speaking there? Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Okay? Any opportunity to share the word, guys, that's a good thing to be doing. And we see this happening, guys. Oh, I was telling you, the last one I went to, okay? It was sad. Third speaker in. They had a panel, okay? This huge political leader, okay? I think she might run for president someday. Three sessions in, and she's the first one to talk about Jesus Christ. We're at a Christian leadership summit for pastors, leaders, and churches we're three messages in before Jesus is even spoken of. I'm like, what is going on? And it was a politician that had to preach the gospel. Anyways, get off my soapbox there. The point is, guys, we've got to be careful the influences that are going on in the church. And then he plants false doctrine that deceives people, and that's that parable that he shared of the leaven. We've got to be very careful of that leaven that's out there. So the method, Satan's chief method of opposing God's church is through imitation. He preaches an imitation gospel, establishes an imitation church or churches, plants imitation Christians, and the list just can go on. Okay, I have a hard time when churches employ worship leaders that aren't even born again because they're great musicians. Again, how do I know that? church right here locally in the valley i won't mention the church's name but i know that is a fact just because they're a good musician they were hired to come and lead worship the task guys true and false will grow together until the end so god will separate them our job is not to try to clean up the world although we should do what we can to better society i think that's something that it's part of God's heart, and he puts it on the heart of his church. Our job is to plant the word of God, okay, into their hearts and let God plant us in places where he'll bring forth the fruit for his glory, okay? Yesterday, Sonny read a newsletter. We have some friends that are uh, serving as missionaries over in Jordan. They're learning the language there. It was just cool hearing their end, year-end report. Just opportunities they're having to love on their neighbors, to share the gospel, doing it through music classes, English classes, whatever. And they're asking just for simple prayers. Their visa as visitors is not working out. He needs to find a full-time job there to be able to continue. To, and I'm just thinking, it's so cool, Lord. You have these two just over there in Jordan, just loving on people and sharing the gospel. And it's just cool to think about how many people are spread all throughout the world sharing Jesus Christ, bearing that fruit. So that's our task. The second one, or the last thing I want to point out, guys, is we need to stay awake. We need to stay awake. I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes it's just easier to want to ignore it all. <laughs> you know, there's just so much junk. We're living in the last days, Lord. <laughs> Nobody's getting it. Let's just go through the motions. No, God wants us to wake up. He wants us to be alive. You see, while we sleep, Satan's at work. So a sleeping church is an opportunity for Satan to plant false Christians. I want you guys to jot down Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34. You guys can read that. Pray on it when you get home. And it's also important for us to stay spiritually awake. Okay? 
You guys in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14, jot that down too. Romans 13, 11 to 14. We as the church need to be awake. We need to discern what's going on. Okay. And then if you look at verse 43, and we'll wrap up with this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. To be honest with you, I think a lot of Christians would take these parables and say, who cares? <laughs> so what, really? Does this really matter? This isn't what I, what I want to hear. This isn't, this isn't for me. No, it's for every believer, guys. It's for the church. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the simple question is, are you listening? That's the bottom line. Are you listening to the word of Christ or not? Let's stand to our feet and close in prayer. Well, Father, um, we're thankful for your word. God, I know that we're not big time into programs here at Freedom Fellowship, but we sure like your program. It seems to make sense. Lord, as we take time just to pause and consider uh, these parables together this morning, uh, we see these things to be true. God, we don't want to be ignorant of our enemy and how he works, his schemes. Lord, you told us to wake up, to stand fast, to resist him. We, we pray for protection for our church family. God, that you would watch over us. We know that Satan hates what we're doing here. Lord, taking your word seriously. Lord, we pray that your word would go deep. Your Holy Spirit would give us ears to hear and to understand. And we do want to pray for your church at large, God. You've asked us to pray for believers everywhere. God, I pray that you'd wake us up, wake the church up at large. We pray that you would just, by your Holy Spirit, Father, encourage and build up uh, your body today, that they would be looking to you, Father. We pray even in the reality of Christmas, as many are preaching the gospel this morning and, and tomorrow with Christmas Eve, that people would humble themselves before you. We think that we know best, Father, but it's clear we need you, we need a Savior. Jesus, you are you're it, you're everything. We acknowledge that, we look to you. And I pray that you'd help us, Father, just to Keep desiring to grow, to hear, to mature. Lord, you told us that a little here and a little there. Father, sometimes we want, we want things in big chunks. We want it right here, right now. Lord, but your way, your program is, is good. And we just pray that you'd help us to stay on track. Keep us humble before you and before your word. I pray blessings upon my brothers and sisters as they... Uh, go from this place as they get to enjoy family, friends in the next few days, God. Just pray you'd bless them and give them opportunities to speak of you, to shine for you, God. Thank you for the many blessings and gifts in this life. And most of all, we do thank you for the gift of your son, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.